The College Game Day podcast is presented by Old Dominion Freightline, helping the world keep promises. football playoff semifinals the granddaddy of them all is our host and we will eat steak let them eat steak this is the college game day podcast for friday december 29th reese davis pete thamel steve coughlin better known as stanford steve sitting in this immaculate museum mm. rose bowl it's the original rose bowl locker room where newt rockney fired up the troops i know it's been a minute steve since you played in yeah. the rose bowl but this is not the stanford locker room was it <laughs> no, no, no 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 we were over in the other end so the oh, locker okay. rooms are are still the same it's it it's funny uh it's not funny but i really hit me we were just talking about the bama alabama or Bama Texas National Championship when Colt McCoy gets hurt and they had the camera of him in that tunnel. That was our locker room. I'm like, oh man, that's not a good, not a good omen if he's in that one coming out that a loser. But uh, yeah, this is this is spectacular. Yeah, no no waterfalls in the locker room in 1922 when this was built. <laughs> you, you look and you see the quotes over our shoulder if you're watching on YouTube, and you should be. Uh, Keith Jackson, who was a voice of college football mm. for over half a century, called it the Mecca, the mansion at the end of the yellow brick road. For everybody who's a college <laughs> football fan, this is where you want to come. And it's, it's really true. The, the stadium itself uh, probably doesn't have all of the bells and whistles of some no. of the more modern stadiums, but there's no grander setting in sports. And as we get ready for the semifinal game between two of the biggest brands in sports, the winningest program, the second winningest program in the history of college football, uh, the all-time leader in national championships, Alabama against Michigan, it's sort of fitting that as we close out this era of college football that you have these two big brands on this stage. And Michigan played in the first ever Rose Bowl, 1902. I just think of the hel- – everybody calls helmet games. Like these helmets on this field, in this setting, weather looks like it's going to be good. I also did play in the only Rose Bowl. I, fe- I felt like that rained. Uh, <laughs> everybody talks about the end of the third quarter, sun setting over the mountain. Yeah. There was no sun that day. <laughs> we were waiting for it to come out. We yeah. needed something. Uh, but, uh, no, it, it, it the, the brands, mm-hmm. you know, the names – the head coaches, everything. It's finally, in the last year of the playoff, we get it in this place, and it, I, I, we just we got to get there. <laughs> I can't wait, and I really think we're going to dive into the X's and O's and everything. But I think we'll look back at one of these games as like the talent on the field. When you yeah. look at the high end talent, yep. Michigan has at defensive back. When you look at what Alabama has at defensive back and on the edge. When you look at some of the skill guys, uh, Colson Loveland is a guy who I think mm-hmm. is going to be a tenure. Like there's just. And there are two styles that don't really contrast. They sort of blend together, mm-hmm. and it, it makes it, a, I think, a really tricky game to predict in a lot of ways because I don't think this is going to be some old-fashioned shootout like we saw Vince Young mm-hmm. and uh, Reggie Bush and Matt Leonard and those guys have here uh, in 06. I think this is going to be something Keith Jackson would, uh, would would enjoy, a little bit more of a tussle in the trenches. <laughs> you know, and, and that is really one of the interesting matchups, and to dive right in, Michigan without Zach Zenter, who – arguably their best offensive lineman. Alabama's rush defense is not up to the standard of Saban's national championship teams Mm -hmm. at Alabama. But when they've gone heavier personnel, they've been better. And one might expect that you might see a little heavier personnel in the front seven and not as much nickel from Alabama. They've been nickel just about all year. Well, I think the, the first thing, I did a, a couple things on ESPN.com this week where I broke down talking to opposing coaches, the games, and the 
the most glaring, I think, area where Michigan has to worry about, and there's certainly areas Alabama has to worry about up front, too, in protecting the quarterback. But when you, when you dial into Michigan and how they played against Iowa in the Big Ten title game, Zinter leaves at right guard, and then obviously they, they move uh, – Trent A. Jones into right tackle, and mm-hmm. right tackle Carson Barnhart kicks into guard. Barnhart had been the weak link of that offensive line. Penn State exposed them. We obviously saw the famous 32 straight runs by mm-hmm. Michigan against Penn State. A lot of that was out of, we don't want a strip sack to lose us the game. Mm-hmm. And so some of that was by necessity. In, in a lot of ways, that accentuated Michigan's reputation as this power run team that had two straight Joe Moore Award winners. But it also glossed over a weakness whereas we are not good at blocking the edge and that's where Alabama obviously has the biggest strength is Dallas Turner is Mm -hmm. probably the best player in this football game and he does not come off that right side so the the, when you talk to the coaches in the Big Ten who watched the Big Ten title game they really thought the right side and really the center are going to be the areas that Michigan has to cover up the most now Turner is going to come off the other side he's not going to line up or at least traditionally this season (laughs) he has not lined up much and most of his production has come off the opposite edge but also if they have to focus on Turner it could leave that right side a little bit more exposed so I think if there's one matchup that I think really stands out in this game race it's how Michigan's recalibrated offensive line adjusts without its best player and in addition to that it's not just Turner I mean Chris Braswell on the other side too gives them an opportunity to exploit uh, that if they can and then there's the whole aspect Steve of J.J. McCarthy yes who mid-season I've Brought this up a few times. Nebraska game. There were three throws. One of them just a, you know, it wasn't a touchdown or anything that I was like, holy cow. Boy, is that an NFL throw. You know, like big time throws. Now, he's got one touchdown pass in the last five games, I think he's been. He hasn't been over 150 yards since the Purdue game. And you wonder if the time off has allowed him to get a little healthier or if there's something else. I mean, they've, there's been talk of an ankle injury. Maybe there's something else. But they haven't been terribly effective in the passing game, not nearly as effective as they were earlier. Some will point some point to Connor Stallions, some point to, um, to better defenses that they've played. Yeah. And all of these things could have played a role. And he could also be banged up, and he might be a little bit healthier than he's been in a few weeks. I think you touched on a, a multitude of things that factored into that. You mentioned not throwing the ball effectively. They haven't had to, right? right? I mean, point. the schedule speaks for itself. The goal was to get back to this point after how bad of a loss and the taste in their mouth was after that game. And you go back and watch that game, and it's McCarthy. That was a big problem in that game. Two pick sixes. They can never get over the hump. Uh, the defense, you know, just got elongated with that style that TCU plays, and they were gassed. When they needed a stop, they couldn't get in the fourth quarter. So I look at McCarthy on this stage as the biggest factor in the game. I'm sure we'll talk Alabama's offense against Michigan's defense, but when you look at that, you talked about 1.9 rushing yards per rush, uh, per rush in the Big Ten title game against Iowa. And I was a team that is not going to hide what they're doing. You basically know, but they're just so damn stubborn in what they do. And Michigan, I thought, even proved more point how stubborn they are. You know, I mean, you could see it. Let's get a win. Let's get out of here. And we know we're nicked up, as you pointed out, Reese. Uh, and and now they're here. So the time off. You mentioned getting healthy. I also look at Michigan coming in now. Is 
they're going to have to throw the ball consistently to win this game. They have to. And they haven't done it all year because they haven't had to. But with Harbaugh and Shromar and those guys, the, the time off and being and, and Jim's always been a great job of, of making runs look like passes, making passes look like runs. Mm-hmm. And what do you do with that? You get tight ends, sneak it out into the flat. You get them running down the middle of the field if the safety's uh, eyes are watching the backfield. So I expect Michigan to come out with a really good game plan. Both offensive coordinators have been known to be stubborn. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about high scoring, low scoring, I could see you know being a test of will. Uh, so I, I I look at Alabama though as you mentioned not having those guys that they've had in the past with the great run, but they have effective guys. Mm-hmm. They got guys at linebacker that look like Alabama linebackers from old. They got a true freshman in, in the secondary. Well, is he going to get got a couple times? Maybe. But how big of a factor will that be? Will it be a touchdown or will it be a, you know, a third down conversion? So there's a lot of factors in, but I look at Alabama's defensive line too. And you, you know, I think a general fan would be like, Oh, Alabama has more depth on the defensive line. They don't. Michigan plays way more guys on a defensive line. I think that's going to be a factor for them to hang in this game. And when you look at Alabama, I believe they have three guys that on the defensive line that played over 500 snaps. Wow. And Michigan doesn't have one that played 300. That's so a great stat. When, you, when you think about the general sense of the SEC school coming to play a Big Ten, Michigan has the advantage on the defensive line, and they need, to, they need that to come through for them to be in this game. Explosive plays, too. Michigan hasn't been able to generate no. – the same number that they did just a year ago. And even though Alabama might not be quite what it's been in terms of depth and uh, physical nature up front, I do still have a hard time thinking that Michigan is going to be able to get out of this game without getting some chunk plays, some significant ones, and probably home run touchdown plays. So Steve brought up a great point about the tight ends. Now, he is defiantly biased towards his old position, (laughs) but I don't think there's a better tight end duo in the country than than Michigan's two tight ends, Colson Loveland and Barner. You may be able to think of a better duo. Uh I'll, I'll let you go. I don't, okay. I'm, All right. I'm no, no. Gonna, I mean, I'm not going to shoot that you was, down. It's no, your okay. opinion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can well, it all. I think Loveland is the one of the three top tight ends for the 25 draft, and Barner, who's sort of the the other tight end, is Mel Kuyper has him in his top 10 for this draft. Yeah. So he's probably a late round draft pick. So I really feel like that's an area that Michigan needs to exploit. And I felt like without Colson Loveland, Michigan doesn't beat Ohio State. Mm-hmm. It felt like every key third yep. down conversion, he's twisting his body, contorting, finding space to to do that. Those two tight ends give Michigan, I think, their greatest advantage because you can go 12 personnel, but you can in, in run the ball if they're small. Like, like you said, they've been more effective in heavier run packages. Well, can those heavier run packages guard those two tight ends? Right. I think that's the conflict that Kevin Steele and Nick Saban are going to have to face in this is okay if we're going to go big we have to we have i mean i'm you know one of the memories of the ohio state michigan game two years ago was loveland running down the seam yeah mm-hmm. by himself yeah. basically and so there's uh there's it's going to be a really interesting chess match to how how they go but if michigan wins this game i feel like those guys are both going to have four or five catches and one of them's going to have to have a touchdown I, they need production there because i don't have faith in michigan's receivers creating separation from alabama's defensive back right alabama's yeah. got two all-american corners i think michigan has the best corner in the game will johnson but mm-hmm. i mean kool-aid McKinstry and terry on arnold both the first team may be all-americans mm-hmm. um the tight end point is a great one I know it's probably the most mentioned game of the season because everybody harkens back to Alabama, Texas, whether, you know, is that's where Alabama changed, it's where Texas proved itself. Big numbers for tight end. 
in mm-hmm. that game, Javion oh. Sanders. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, great point, big, yeah. big, big numbers for the tight end. That game. It's been a long time ago. Remember that fourth but, down conversion? We yeah, were right, yeah. right, right in front of us, front of us yeah. on the field. Yeah. And so, you know, th- that's something that they will, they'll have to deal with, I think, for sure. The one thing about Michigan, too, with a Harbaugh offense, going back to his Stanford days, it's amazing, you know, when he has the Zach Ertz and the Kobe Fleeners about, oh, look at them, they split their tight ends out. But what's effective is when they come down mm-hmm. and he does a great job of teaching, they, they're more effective in the pass game when they're inside. Interesting. In the box. So that's the one thing. I mean, now with, with all this motion and split zone and whether you got, you know, I'm, I'm going to run at you and I'm going to block you three times and then I sneak mm-hmm. out. That's what I talk about, making the runs look like passes. That's what Michigan's got to pride themselves on to be effective and and third down and McCarthy healthy he can use his legs yeah he's gonna have to do that yes. just to get first downs yes. if, he, if the throw's not there and he could do it I expect him to play smart football I think it's a it's a big big spot for McCarthy uh, another interesting thing about this game is the lack of success that Harbaugh has had in the postseason mm-hmm. the lack of success that Michigan has had historically in the postseason and in the Rose Bowl specifically and the fact that a lot of the players have talked about that they changed up preparation a little bit. It wasn't, it wasn't wide open all the time. They mixed in a few more walkthrough days, a few more times to let them uh, put a little more emphasis, as mm-hmm. it were, on recovery. And whether that helps Michigan, maybe not so much because they they were worn out. I think that's a cliche sometimes. But sometimes when something's not working, if you just change the approach, you make everybody think it's going to work right. better. Yeah. And there's maybe a little more, uh, they feel as if they're fresher, whether they really are or not. Maybe they are, but uh, maybe they just think they are, which is uh, just as important. I think one tweak we're going to see from both play callers in this game is that they are going to be a lot more quarterback design runs. Like, mm-hmm. I think when you go back and look at playoff games, look at Trevor Lawrence in that Ohio State games in years past, there's less concern for injury with, you know, with not a lot of tomorrows left, right? Mm-hmm. So I really feel like Hurts, if you talk to the coaches who played Alabama, they really built in some nice uh, QB run stuff that wasn't really in the package earlier in the year for them. Tommy Reese has been known to run the quarterback in the postseason a little bit mm-hmm. more if you look back at his history uh, with Ian Book yep. at, at Notre Dame. And I think the same thing for McCarthy. I, I think they – acknowledging the weaknesses up front, some of that is going to have to come with creating yards through a QB run game because you you don't like your hats on their hats. So I really feel like both those both these quarterbacks with their legs are going to be a huge factor, and that's going to be a big variable of how you slow that down. And, and Steve, Jalen Milrow is the fa- second fastest guy on Alabama's team, not on the whole team. Yeah. And he has learned – better when to run Mm -hmm. and how to create because he took all of those sacks early because he wanted to stay in the pocket and make the pass and then sometimes he'd wait too late and he'd you know get caught he's been really good over the last five or six games at knowing when to go and something Tommy Reese talked about early on in finding those design quarterback runs is getting Jalen comfortable enough to know when to go, when it's okay to pick up seven and get out of bounds and mm-hmm. take the first down. And then, you know, he can, as we saw against LSU, saw against Auburn in big spots off scrambles. It doesn't have to be designed runs. And look, let's be candid about it. Maybe Michigan can still tackle him. They're athletic enough. It's not, but they haven't played anybody no. like him in terms of being a runner. No. And then when I go back and I watch every Michigan game, the best quarterback they played against, I believe, is Talia Tungabailoa. 
Like I, I, I honestly believe that. And again, it goes back to their schedule. And again, it's not Michigan's fault. You can only play who's on your schedule. But that's I, like the preparation. They put Donovan Edwards at quarterback scout team. Like I don't, I don't know how you prepare for an athlete like that. And when you talked about the struggles of Milrow early on, there's a multitude of things I think that people overlook and people didn't know what to do because at the beginning of the year, the brand name teams, Alabama, Ohio State. Um, other teams, they they always had a quarterback with experience. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned knowing when to run. It takes time. Mm-hmm. It, it really does. And the problem was he played bad in that early game against Texas when their quarterback played great, and they go in and get the win. And how do you overcome that? It's just hard work and reps, man. And and and, and people, fan bases, I think have gotten so spoiled uh, with, with how good that position has been for them because when you go back and you want to look at who's been in the playoff, look at that position. You know, I mean, the great quarterbacks sure. have, have been there. So I think it's just been a learning process, but time. And also that offensive line. Started a true freshman left tackle. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and with that, knowing when to run with Milrow, but also, hey, we could do a little bit more now. We feel better about our guys up front. Maybe we could help them with a tight end. Let's take a tight end out. Let's bring them in. All that different stuff. That's where those offense coordinators make their money. And uh, it's really, really been a, a cool thing to watch like that, that offense evolve, mm-hmm. you know, from like yeah. going back and watching. I mean, that South Florida game, oh. I, it just, I just take it out. <laughs> but I, I, I do because you don't get anything out of it. It, right. it, it was a, but it, they, they definitely learned something from it yes you know so um I, I can't wait can't wait to see how how that factors out it's only a kick a jump a block it's only a serve it's only a tackle a run it's only for the fans after all it's only pressure you got this adidas This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This college football playoff semifinal preview is brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. This fan deserves and prefers diet Dr. Pepper, but be that as it may, choose the Dr. Pepper that you like best. Regardless of what happens in this semifinal game, where does this rank among Saban's coaching jobs at Alabama? Whew, man, he's had some good ones. Uh, I think the thing that I'll remember about this coaching job was just how unflinching he was throughout it because there was a lot of noise coming out of that mm-hmm. Texas game. Mm-hmm. You, you lose to the, you know, you, you now, after beating all his former assistants, now all of a sudden he's on a losing streak to his former assistants. Mm-hmm. And, like, there there was, you know, and there will from this point on in Nick Saban's career, whether he coaches five more weeks or five more years, every end of season will come with is this the dawn of Saban and every loss mm-hmm. will come with is this the decline of Saban. It's just, it is what he, it's the monster he's created, mm-hmm. right? And that's the highest compliment to, yep. uh, to him. But I feel like, they were never untalented, but 
the way college football works now, you're just going to have more untested guys at a place mm-hmm. like Alabama. You mentioned the offensive line. They're still 115th in the country in sacks allowed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's 3.3 a game. Now, Michigan doesn't have the edge guys maybe to exploit mm-hmm. it like some of the SEC uh, C folks do. They certainly have the dudes inside. Yeah. I actually wrote today that Michigan, ha- you know, it's, it's antithetical to the Big Ten SEC argument, but Michigan has the better interior D linemen. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know if it's close, to be honest with you, from high end stuff. Now, Alabama has a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And they're big, and they may and they be where I'm down. But I just think Saban knew he had a good team, and he was just very deliberate. And I do think the South Florida game was the turning point because it made the team realize this is what we have to do. Yeah, like they, they, it, it eliminated mm-hmm. all ambiguity in a quite an awful way, right? Because mm-hmm. they almost got more criticism for the South Florida game than they did for for losing to Texas. And that was my main. They they won. Yeah, they like it, it. Didn't mean anything. You're coming off again. You know, a loss. You, you get a win and you learn from it, and that's why it's the best uh, t- to me because of the unknown at the quarterback <laughs> position. And you also think about it, they really have a name at running back. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, they still whatever won. you know, Mark Ingram, uh, Derek Henry, Eddie Lacy, all those guys. There wasn't one of those guys where you could say, "All right, you know what? We're going to turn around and hand it to him." So uh, it's it's been remarkable. I do think he. He he let his 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 coaches coach also, mm-hmm. uh, but you you think about that idea of a quarterback not playing, a running back not there, and then a safety and a true freshman, uh, it, it it all worked out, and it's a it's a huge credit to them plowing through that and and, and getting the, getting the job done. And also the what sub- do you think his best job before this is, Reese? You're a resident Alabama expert. Uh, or what's comparable? I mean, you know, it, it's really, it's really. I think probably the easy answer is fifteen mm-hmm. because they lost an early game. They started a, a guy quarterback. There was disagreement, shall we say, on the staff as to who the quarterback should be. So there are some parallels to that 2015 team that Jake Coker ended up sort of taking over mm-hmm. and being the uh, uh, the alpha, as Kirk likes to say, mm-hmm. and sort of the tough guy. Milrow did that in a different way, but he, he's done some of that. So I would say. Because when we say best coaching job, it's always about doing something that's not expected. Sure. It's a that, pretty darn good coaching job when you are expected to win and you mm-hmm. still do. So he's done, you know, a lot of those are, are good too. Even so. though they lost an SEC title game, I go back to what was that, 08 with yeah. JPW. Like yeah. that, that's when, I mean, it went from, all right, we think they're going to, all right, they're there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're there, mm-hmm. and you know what's coming next year. Yeah. Like that—that that was the one where I thought it could happen because of you know you get that second year and you, and you have you know you, you've got more guys of your guys in those places. But I always go back to that one because that one. I mean, they were—you could see the 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 fearlessness they played with, and I'm like, this this thing is going to be an animal coming forward. You know what coming. <laughs> uh, Jim Harbaugh is a great coach, regardless of what happens. He's been to the Super Bowl. Three straight Big Ten titles outright hasn't been done in the long and illustrious history of Michigan football. He's a great coach. Okay, caveat's been offered. What's at stake in your judgment for him and Michigan in this game in terms of perception of them as a national power? Because there's going to be a little more turnover next year on, on this roster, maybe than they've had. They really had some last year too, obviously. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be there's going to be some there will be changes. There's a question about whether he is going to entertain the NFL again. Mm-hmm. All of those things. I think there's much of a question. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's going to entertain it. I was trying to be diplomatic on the a couple of days before he plays for to go to the national championship game. Pete, <laughs> just kidding. But uh, what's his? St- you know him. You know him really well from his days at Stanford, and since then, what's his stake for him in terms of perception? 
I think when you factor in all that's happened this year, and it, I think it's it's unprecedented being how many games he's he missed wasn't, six games wasn't on the sidelines yeah. for. I think it's a monster because I, I actually was impressed. I thought they were going to get blown out when they played in the Citrus Bowl a couple of years ago, and they they played pretty well. Mac made a, bu- a bunch of throws uh, in the second half, or maybe it was late second quarter, and I thought he took that as a big step because he was like, "This is this is what he." He wants to be considered the best, and now you have the stage. And, I, I again, I go back to last year and how disappointing that loss was. I was sh- – It was I, a I bad loss. Shot. It was a bad, I mean, bad loss. And like, when you say that, you feel like you're bashing TCU, and I don't mean no, it that No, not way. at all. Not, Michigan, they took advantage of the yeah, opportunities that yeah, were given to them, and there yeah. were more than there should have been, and it's based off of what Michigan – because you go back to the year prior. That game was over after the first series, mm-hmm. and, and, and they knew – they did it, but like, what was the only way to, you know, go back before that? People wanted him out. Couldn't beat, you know, couldn't beat Ohio State, and you know, wasn't impressive in, in doing that. So I, I think it's, I think it's huge for him personally being on this stage. And the other thing, you know, they were favorite last year. We touched on that, how that went. But you're a favorite against Alabama. Like you, you can't come out here and score ten points and and lose. Like you have to. Uh, ha- you have to play to your advantages, and that's what a good coaching staff does. I believe they have a really good coaching staff. Uh, so I, I expect them to play well. I just don't think they're that well is good enough to beat Alabama. That that that's that's where I keep coming back to knowing what Alabama brings to the table. I think it's a I don't I don't like the matchup for Michigan. I think it all depends on mistakes. Alabama no has limited them in the second half of the season, but even everybody remembers the gravedigger play in the fourth and thirty one and Pete knows from the preseason podcast, he asked me who's going to start at quarterback for Alabama this year. I said Jalen Milrow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, so I've really been a fan of his talent. But even in the 12th game of the season, yep. he threw a couple of passes, like three, four yards past the line of scrimmage, yeah. you know, and, and drew penalties for them. Just things like that, the snap issues that they've had. They've, they've cleaned up some of the penalty things in the latter part of the season, which also speaks to their improvement. But things like that will cost them against Michigan on New Year's Day. Well, I think that's why this is going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, I had a, a coach in the Big Ten tell me a really interesting point. He said, you can't get bored playing Michigan because they're going to shorten yep. the game, yeah. and you can't get anxious. You can't do it in your offensive play calling. You can't do it in your defensive play calling. You have to – I, I call it in my article this week a sound off. You have two very sound teams mm-hmm. whose coaches are defined by being sound. They're NFL. They're going to mm-hmm. do what they do best. They're going to take away what you do best, all those things. So there's going to be a little bit of a stare down to who makes that critical mistake. And let's face it, uh, Jalen Milrow has made some of those mm-hmm. early in the year, and that's what sort of helped Alabama – You know recast themselves and, and, and redefine themselves and then does Michigan's vulnerabilities up front lead to one of those mistakes because of of the pressure they could go so I feel like it it will be a conservatively called game because I think aggression these coaches are going to fear is going to work against that I look at what Alabama did in that SEC championship game also they did not start that game well Mm-mm. and then you go back and you look I mean we're standing there at the end of the fourth quarter they got McKinstry and sweatpants He's on the sideline, and and Jason Dallas Turner, doesn't play. No, and, and Dallas Turner's playing on one leg. Mm-hmm. You know, and and to be able to power through us, and I and I go back to the beginning of the game, 
and and seeing Booker, the, the offensive guard, pregame, and he's just screaming going in the tunnel, they ain't cut like us. They ain't cut like us. And I'm telling you, that was one of the scariest things I've ever seen. Like, I'm walking this way. I'm like, I'm going to stop and let him go up to the tunnel. You are not like him either. I, I think the world of that kid, and I've known him for a long time, and I just said – and then to see how that game starts and be able to just battle through and line up and put your hand down and just do it through – you're doing well because you're not giving in. It's a great point by you. I, I, I expect both these teams, no one's going to be fear of, of either team. There are going to be some serious collisions mm-hmm. in this game. There's going to be some serious stalemates at the line of scrimmage. And who makes the most plays, obviously, is going is to be the difference. But mistakes is, is huge. You, you, can't, you can't put yourself in a position where you're going to make that mistake. That's going to be too costly. Not to take away from Alabama's win, but that's one of the reasons why – winning a bunch of games in a row is difficult. Georgia won 29 oh, in yeah. a row, sure. and, you know, things start piling up. So with Georgia's loss, the nation's longest winning streak now belongs to Washington. Mm-hmm. They've won 20 in a row and played Texas in the Sugar Bowl and what feels like is going to be a very different style of game no from doubt. what we're going to see here in Pasadena. And some of the matchups there are pretty compelling, too. You look at the, the great success – that Washington has had throwing downfield specifically outside the numbers, which is the place where Texas is vulnerable. Washington wins the Joe Moore award for the nation's best offensive line. And yet you've got two absolute studs in the middle of Texas defensive line Tavondre sweat and Byron Murphy, who might wreck that entire offense right up the middle mm-hmm. by moving Penix off his spot. It almost feels like that, if he can have time to throw outside, you'll like Washington's advantage. But if not, feel like Texas could control the game. Uh, yeah, a couple things on it. I look at what Washington did in the Pac-12 title game. They came out throwing the football, and Oregon did not know what to do. So now you got to take guys out, and then look at the second half when they—I mean, Oregon took all the momentum back, took the lead, and what did they do to get back the lead back? They ran the ball with Dylan Johnson in that offensive line, and a couple things with that defensive line. Coach DeBoer knows that that Texas has the advantage there. What do you do to offset that? They're great at misdirection, getting out of pocket, getting out of pocket, half rolls with Penix. And you mentioned Texas is going to have. They're not true freshmen anymore, but they still are. You know, in the in the in the mm-hmm. program. But you start a true freshman at safety and a true freshman at corner against those NFL receivers for Washington. That's why I like Washington in this game. If they're not freshmen anymore, then what are the super seniors? Oh, that, that's a whole different podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like if the freshmen are sophomores and the sophomores are not what? juniors and the juniors are seniors and the seniors are grad students, yeah. what, what are the what grad, super, what are the grad super students? They're, like they're not PhD. paying for extra for rental cars anymore. PhD. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think? You, you've done a breakdown on this, talked to some opposing coaches. Where does this game swing? So it's interesting. I do think the receiver, Texas is secondary. It's been its biggest vulnerability mm-hmm. all year. They've had mm-hmm. guys injured. They've yeah. circled guys in. Young players have emerged. But it's been a little bit, uh, a little bit, you know, uh, uh, tinfoil and a paper clip and some glue. Like, it mm-hmm. just hasn't been the most it's, – that's probably their weakest unit out there. So I do think the receiver point is, is, is great. And certainly, Kalen Moore is going to attack that. But I do think Steve made a good point about Dylan Johnson. From week nine on – only Ollie Gordon has gained more yards than him mm-hmm. in all of college football. Mm-hmm. And he's looked dominant at times. And one of the opposing teams who played Texas this year 
one of the OCs made a great point to me. He said, we just said, we are not going to run between the tackles. We're not going to run the ball just to run the ball. You know, the whole thing, you got to establish. Yeah. He said, we, we ran the ball zero times because we knew our dudes couldn't handle it. Now, I know Washington won the Joe Moore Award. Their strength is at tackle. tackle. It is yeah. not interior, right. especially the center's a little light. So I feel like we're going to see a lot of creative run games, mid-zone, no outside zone, and that is going to set things up for uh, for Washington. I don't think they're just going to like run the Oklahoma drill up the middle j- just to like Mm-mm. just in order to do it where you know now will we see Dylan Johnson have to block more he's a good pass protector he's not great but will we see him stay in and, and, and protect the middle a little bit uh, and, and do that usually those guys help on the edge not as much uh, not as much on the interior that, so that doesn't sound like fun for Dylan no it doesn't sound like fun for Dylan yeah <laughs> could also to, to move those, one of those three tight ends <laughs> yeah. in the backfield and say all right yeah you know we're throwing the ball right here yes but now you got to come get us yes mm-hmm. and I, I think Adunze and McMillan in the Pac-12 title game, the, the coaches who watched it just said they move him around so much. He makes such a difference. And they really didn't have that element. In a lot of ways, McMillan's injury made them go refine a new identity yeah. on offense. And Dylan Johnson emerged as part of that. They had that awful game against Arizona State where they didn't pee a drop the whole game on offense. And they went back and, and give them credit, right? Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb's roots are in the NAIA when you're mm-hmm. not working with, you know, yeah. toys like Roma Dunze, who mm-hmm. is, you know, one of the best receivers that college football seen in a long time. And they've found different ways to move the ball and now all of a sudden they're back at full strength having acquired all this different identity along the way i look um at washington and just as far as knowing yourself right knowing Mm -hmm. your identity and you touched on with the with the mcmillan injury i thought they ran a gauntlet at the end i mean you I, i get it sc was not a great football team this year but still have to go there and and outscore mm-hmm and they didn't throw the ball to outscore them. Yeah. They ran the ball. I mean, ran for two two forty, yeah. right? Uh, and then you got to come home and you got to play Utah off of that game. You know, then you go to Corvallis and the pouring rain. You still win the game because of throws you made. You get you get by with a win against your rival in a in a no win situation, and then you win a game as a double digit underdog against a team that everyone thought was going to beat you. That's some damn impressive stuff. And not to take anything away from Texas, they're they're they'll be ready. They're going to be fine. Sarkis is good as there are but both of these teams on the offensive side do an unbelievable job you talked about moving around mcmillan sark's pretty good at finding that matchup oh that yeah he likes. a lot yeah. of teach tape out uh, of this game oh man with a month i prepare. mean in the yeah. in the motion in the shifts and and being that safety or that nickel where now all of a sudden it's like wait well how did he get oh that's mine that yeah. that's that's a bad feeling to have, and uh, both secondaries are going to be tested to the max in this game. That that's that's where the fun stuff. I think that's what the fans want to see. You know, you get a high scoring game after watching what should be a low scoring game. It has all the makings in that building where we've seen some crazy things happen. It's going to be really really special. Wonder what kind of odds you can get in Vegas on Texas scoring a touchdown on the opening drive yeah. because two, that's Sarks. Two, sure. two straight games. I mean, yeah. that's yeah, that's two straight. That's what he does so well. The other thing I think that has been hush-hush, whispered, I think you're going to see a little – not that Michael Penix wasn't terrific in the Pac-12 championship game, but I think you're going to see a little bit more early season. I think the time off uh, probably no did doubt. him a lot of good. No doubt. A lot of good. Same with J.J. McCarthy here. But uh, – because of that, I think it really 
helps Washington. I think it's one of the reasons that Washington, what is it, nine straight games that they've won by a no more yeah. than 10 points. Mm-hmm. Their biggest margin of victory is that SC, SC game, game 10. that you mentioned, and everything else has been single digits. And what's really interesting is I think the quarterback that's been talked about the least of the four teams is probably the best NFL prospect. And he's also I mean, the Quinn best Ewers. fourth quarter yeah. quarterback in college football this year. In and 20 years. Ewers. Yeah. If you look at the numbers, yeah. nobody wow. has been better completion percentage-wise than Quinn Ewers in the fourth quarter of games in, in, in 20 years. And I think the interesting part for Texas Reese is they're going to have that opening script and they're going to have those mm-hmm. first 15 plays. They have been hitting lulls after that script. And they've, they figure it out and recalibrate in the fourth quarter. But all the DCs who play Texas here are like, we just got to survive these first two, three possessions. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we get into the game a little bit. And that will be interesting for Washington if they do get waylaid a little bit early. Can they recalibrate and come mm-hmm. back defensively on there? Now, Washington got two safeties back uh, yeah. late in, late in the season, made which difference. made a huge difference oh, in that God. Oregon game. They were yeah. tremendous huge against Oregon. difference in that Oregon game. And- I mentioned Ewers being the least talked about quarterback. I think Washington's defense is the least talked about unit yeah. of the four games. And you look at what they did against Oregon. I mean, that that was so impressive uh, what they did. Bec- I mean, again, the momentum swings. You mentioned Sark with the with the opening drives. Like, just withstand thing. Like, you don't have success early. Just be able to withstand. Mm-hmm. If they do get down there, hold them to a field goal and not a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Those are those are the little things that Washington's defense during this gauntlet of a schedule have just been able to hang around and do. And it like again, it's so so impressive. And I think the world of, of all these coaches staff, but Washington, what they've done late in the season when nobody counted them to do it has been, has been tremendous. They've missed a bunch of tackles though, and they give up a lot of yards after contact mm-hmm. and with that Texas offensive line I think it's problematic they're going to they're going to have to not be out of position so that they don't get gashed and then when they are in position as simplistic as it sounds and they haven't always been great at it better in the Oregon game for sure they got to get guys on the ground because it's it's yards after that from guys like Worthy uh, uh, Mitchell Akeelan Robinson Sanders you know all those guys can kill you if you don't get them down the first opportunity and 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 the running back the way he's done the running backs since Brooks got hurt, I mean Baxter, he was yeah. the biggest biggest recruit I think in mm-hmm. that class, yeah. and he they started. Got, yeah, started at the beginning of the year, you could tell it at the Oklahoma game he didn't look right when he came in the game. But to be able to do that and and, and still get your run game, like every every coach wants to run the football, but to lose a guy like Brooks and then to still be able to do and have success offensively, it's just another credit to Sark in that offensive yeah. staff. Brooks might have been the first tailback taken in this draft mm. if he had stayed healthy throughout throughout the year. It's not a great tailback crop, but mm-hmm. he had gone from a backup to start the year to at least tailback one, two, or three in the upcoming draft. Now, again, tailbacks don't get drafted like they used to, but no. you still need them, and mm-hmm. you know they still play a pretty important part he on was, Sundays. He was great. How patient he was in running those zones, man. Like, that you just you could tell uh, he had something special that the other guys didn't, and Sark mm-hmm. went led on him. Yeah, and, but Blue along with Matt Jaden Blue has been, been really it's good been really, too. Yep. So yep. they've got, a, I think they've got answers uh, without Jonathan Brooks there for sure. So another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Best in Game is brought to you by Old Dominion Freightline, helping the world keep promises. And for all you people down at Old Dominion, I will see you in February at your big convention. I look forward to speaking to you then because together we will help the world keep promises. Let's talk about Quinn Ewers again for just a little bit because big hype, Ohio State, all the NIL deal comes back. Heard a lot. We've I heard a thousand times. Have you guys heard he lost weight? Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. A thousand years. Have, have you heard he cut his no hair? No Chick-fil-A. Yeah. He cut his hair. Yeah. You know? I mean, but the thing is, he's got that, he's got that knack of on the biggest stage. It's when he plays his best. Mm-hmm. Before he got hurt last year against Alabama, he was terrific. He was brilliant he was great in Tuscaloosa. In that game. Brilliant in Tuscaloosa uh, earlier this season. I know it was a championship game, so I'm going to give him credit for Oklahoma State. Maybe not a juggernaut defense, but it's a championship game to give Texas the chance to get to the playoffs. His and he, he throws for 450 or 450. First or half was one of the was. best first half. It was unbelievable. Unreal. And, you know, so he has that knack. Some guys get tied. He seems to live yes. for those moments. And what yeah. a moment like he'll have. Yeah, 17 to 20 on play action in that uh, Big 12 title <laughs> game, which is just in, insane. And that's one thing for uh, our listeners and viewers to watch is Sark's play action is like a thing of beauty. You have no idea when the ball is snapped, if they're going to run or pass. Quinn does a really deft job hiding it in there. And then you have two receivers who can go over the top and that creates all the underneath stuff for one of the tailbacks or Sanders to slide across the middle. So it's really a a, a beautifully designed for like the football nerds. It's beautifully designed. And I give Quinn Ewers a ton of credit. Like he was mediocre at times last year. He was sloppy with his mechanics. Mechanics. He looked loose. I I go back to that. Um, He was not a great decision maker. And uh, I had an opposing DC tell me that the the touchdown he threw against Alabama, we were all standing right mm-hmm. there um, to to Worthy on a 44-yard ball. He said, that was one of the best throws I've ever seen a quarterback make in all mm-hmm. my years coordinating. So there are some of those wow moments, those things that like Quinn Ewers can do. Um, the, the notion in Ewers' camp is that he will crush his pro day. Because oh. he just oh. he just throws such a pretty ball, Jeff George S. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, but give him a lot of credit. Um, oh, absolutely, he became the face of NIL reluctantly in a lot of ways. He he has the the early entry from high school to Ohio State, leaves there, and he has lived up to what he's supposed to be, which really is a fifty fifty proposition for elite quarterbacks. It's got to be a tough. Tough day for Ohio State fans Monday, too. Watching Michigan have to play and then watching Quinn Ewers. <laughs> and you're thinking if we had Quinn yeah. Ewers, we'd be playing today. Sure. Yeah. Oh, just – yeah. hopefully they get away. I, I don't know. Did they ever really expect to keep him, though, in some ways? I, it, almost, it almost felt like when he went there that they were like, okay, this will be nice, but he's probably not staying. I don't know why I felt that way, but yeah. I – yeah. I would think they did, knowing what that what the quarterback situation is currently. Yeah, well, they, yeah, like he's right in the middle of, the, of those guys. Yeah. They were close on Malik Murphy if yeah. Quinn didn't go, and then he reclasses and goes. Uh, and that's right, he reclassified. I'll, too. I'll say this: it was a weird experience for both sides when you look back mm-hmm. at yours and Iowa State. He decides in July he has to finish some high school classes to to mm-hmm. graduate early, get eligible. Doesn't really arrive there until a couple weeks into camp. Yeah. 
gets COVID a couple days later. So basically, Mrs. Camp, they're focused on Oregon, who I believe they played in week two that year. Yeah. So he shows up and like nobody cares about the four string. Like yeah. he's not yeah. gonna help win games. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it's it's COVID times where like classes, things aren't traditional. He doesn't know anybody. He doesn't have like a class he mm -hmm. came in with. He didn't do all that. So it was it was a situation that was very difficult. And it was almost like set up not to work in uh, in, in those ways. And uh, yeah, and that CJ Stroud kid ended up okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 So he looked at it, he looked ahead and went, Well, <laughs> I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna play next year. And uh, it, it'll be really interesting after uh, this set of games because from the time I started covering Quinn Ewers, which was when he left high school early uh, for that deal, like his camp had been like, he is a three and done. We're going early to go and we're chasing it. And that has completely changed and the tune has completely changed. And I'm not guaranteeing he's going to come back, but that's certainly the strong lean as we've reported on game day that that's the, that's the likely situation. Malik Murphy doesn't leave if he thinks mm -hmm. Quinn Ewers is going. So right. like there's there's a lot of glaring signs. Now look, if he goes out and has two more games like at Oklahoma State and may, all of a sudden is in the top 7 conversation, mm -hmm. that changes. But that that seems unlikely. There's a a cutoff for quarterbacks at 25 starts. And if, if you go back and mm -hmm. Marissa Dowling, our ace researcher, could go do this. Like the quarterbacks who have less than 25 starts who went early, the the hit rate on them really working in the NFL is very low. So development, I think, in this era where guys are leaving and coming and going is one of the things that gets lost. That's and, what we talked about with Carson Beck. Yes. About why it's a smart move for him to come yes. back to Georgia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, and McCarthy's the other interesting one, too, because you're all of a sudden your quarterback crop next year will not be as deep as this year. But if it becomes Beck, McCarthy, and yours, and I expect McCarthy to go, right? You do. I do. Yeah. Look, he's 25 and 1 as a starter. He's going to lose all five of his offensive linemen, yeah. he's going to lose both his receivers. Now, I'll say this about Michigan for next year, because I think it's 17 starters expected, something like that. The dudes they have coming back are like real dudes. The two defensive tackles, Graham, mm -hmm. it's Kenneth Grant Jenkins. is the other. Yeah. Yep. Jenkins is gone. But those yeah. two those two young defensive tackles are like elite, elite. Oh, they're young up there for yeah. sure. Yes. Um, Colson Loveland, like we talked about earlier, is elite, elite. There are the young players in the program who have flashed are really uh, Will Johnson. Mm -hmm. Right. High end guy. So there are like four or five guys where you're like, man, those guys could all be first round picks just the way they the mm -hmm. way they profile physically right now. So but there's just going to be a lot of unknowns. And uh, and now, look, they've done well with the portal uh, on the O-line. Certainly, who wouldn't want to go play O-line at Michigan? You have yeah. back to back. You know, Sharon Moore's the best offensive line coach in the country right now. And they've had back to back Joe Moore award winners, you know, followed by a really good offense. So, but I think when you're making a business decision. You don't have an established receiver. You don't know who's going to start in front of you on the offensive line. That makes it that makes it very difficult. And you don't know who your coach is going to be. I was about to say, yeah. you don't know yeah. who the head coach is going to be. That's a that's a motivating factor. I'm sure, we're talking you, about that. Well, you can't if it happens. You, you can't you you can't roll the dice on no. that because right now he he's probably got a chance to work his way in the first round, right? I would I mean, think so. Yeah, I, I mean, would think so. I don't think it's. Have guaranteed. you seen the quarterbacks playing on Sundays? Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. Like, well, I, I just, there's I, I, there's eight so, or nine who need one, right? Yeah. And he is oh. physically slight, and that comes – like, once you, like, get away from all the great play, and he certainly had plenty of good play, like, like the height, weight, speed stuff still matters. Mm -hmm. And there are certain general managers who won't draft a quarterback that don't fit a certain physical archetype. 
and well, that's just the way the NFL has worked. Right, wrong, yeah, or indifferent. No doubt. You know, they're you know they're just. I mean, he is never going to. But he's never going to. It's like the the five ten point guard is never going to be six mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like he's he is never going to just be some like rocked up guy. Um, so it's. I think Reese to reflect back a little bit on the, the Harbaugh thing. It's a really interesting moment for Michigan as a program right now. Mm-hmm. They've clearly gone all in on this season, and they've gone all in on Jim Harbaugh. And the moment they lose, it's going to be unbelievably compelling other than Florida state right now. I think the biggest story in the sport is the moment Michigan loses going forward here for the next month, what happens and how does it all, how does it all evolve? We're going to have seven or eight NFL jobs open. Jim Harbaugh, if he left for the NFL uh, opening day next year would have the highest winning percentage of any active NFL coach. He's clearly established. He's clearly there. And if he comes back, he's going to face a lengthy suspension next year. Now, nobody can tell you because it's NCA and they make it up as they go along. Will it be three games? Will it be you five games? That. Will it be seven? Well, no, they do, actually. <laughs> I, I'll second it. I've, I've lived it, right? Yeah. I, you know, but there's, you know, they, they have certainly uh, dedicated a lot of time, resources, communication with the Big Ten to this case. Uh, it does not appear like the college basketball scandal, for example, a case they're ready to just mm-hmm. like bury and move on. Just mm-hmm. if you look at the motivations, you look at how they've handled it publicly, releasing the statement about the cheeseburger, like their mm-hmm. actions indicate they're particularly locked in on this. So and it'll be very interesting theater how this evolves. And look, he could hold the trophy up and walk out the grand hero. And that's that's all. It's all yeah. on the table here. I think the best thing about this playoff is all four. There's I, there's a compelling case. I was, case I was just yeah. going to all four can win for the all first time in a long was, time. He yeah. said the moment Michigan loses, and I was yep. thinking the whole time he said it. They might not. They might not. And that's yeah. very real. And I mean, yeah. look, you've been on the Michigan bandwagon. You had them number one in your preseason poll, as mm-hmm. Jim's pointed out to you. They are they are a very good team. And they, yeah, I don't know, like percentage wise, if we had to like chop it up, who I give a. But I don't think anybody's like over fifty percent chance they're going to win this thing. I don't and I don't think anybody's under fifteen percent in in how you divide it all. But it's yeah, I, I I'm I'm looking forward. We we've, we've been due these last two playoffs, quite oh. frankly. Yeah, it's um. Well, we had the great semifinal yeah, the last semis, year. Yeah. The one thing, the one thing I'll say about about this: a lot of years, there is a clear team, maybe two, but usually a clear team that's the best team. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean they're going to win it because that's where you draw that distinction of it's not always the best team; it's the team that plays the best mm-hmm. yeah. on, on that stage sure. in that moment. This year feels different to me because. I think any, I would not be stunned if any of the four win the national championship in a week or so in Houston. I, I think all four can win it. I also think back to last year, and you mentioned that game, the, talking about the Peach Bowl. Ohio State played their best game of the season last year Whew. in that mm-hmm. game. They were great. And lost. Yeah. Like that, you talk yeah. about the luck and the opportunities and mistakes. Like that's, that's what's crazy about this whole thing. And good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, though, you know exactly what's going to happen. And when you know more often than your colleagues, you, you get stake. <laughs> you, you know what? Speaking of. Uh, well, we got to pick these games. Yeah, I know. Yeah, speaking, of, speaking of not finishing strong. Oh, I, 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 I wasn't going to bring that I, one. No, I didn't. I was right there, man. I, I closed. <laughs> I closed. And then, and then I went. Uh, a game we just watched it right before we recorded this podcast. Then I went Kentucky. Down the stretch, oh. and, I, and I gave it right back to you with a with a three and seven three and seven finish. Right? Uh, Kentucky played great; they just came up a little short against Clemson. So, if we're going to pick these games, let's do them in ranking and chronological order for New Year's Day. The first semifinal will be Alabama and Michigan from the Rose Bowl. Pete, 
You go first. Who's going to win, Alabama or Michigan? I'm going to take the Crimson Tide, and I'm going to take them 13 to 10. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm going to take Alabama. I will go. What's the line, by the way? Because I want I Michigan's Michigan favorite. Michigan favored by a point and a half, okay. I think. All yep. right. One point and a half, two. Right if it was like three and a half, I would have bumped yeah. it up. Uh, I'll go Alabama 27 17. Okay. I'm going to conventional score. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go Alabama 23 20. Mm. Um, win it with a Will Reichard field goal. Late. Well, Alabama okay. never makes field goals to win games. <laughs> but, but now they've got the all time leading no, scorer in the history of the sport, right? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I yeah. think Nick's palms would still be sweating a lot. Oh, there's no question. <laughs> it would be sweating a lot for sure. So you hinted at it earlier in the Sugar Bowl later on. I'm taking Texas both underdogs. I'm taking Bama and I'm taking Washington. Is Alabama really ever an underdog? They were in the they SEC are. championship yep. game. Yeah. yeah. And I, I do. I like the matchup. You mentioned Penix. I think the time off is huge for him. Uh, I probably, I love both these staffs and what they've done. Uh, but I, I do believe Washington has being able to play the underdog on this stage again, I think is, is, is a real thing. And they know what they have to do uh, to be successful. They know what they are. And uh, I'm interested to see the crowd there. Mm, I would imagine point. Texas is going to. Yeah, it's going to be huge for an orange. 70 30? Yeah. Mm. Wow. Okay. Even better. That's Even better. I'm going to go Washington 34-30. I'm going to go Washington 41-37. I think this thing gets a little loose. I think it gets a shootout. And part of my pick comes down to trusting Kalen DeBoer figuring out how to win games. Washington has had to figure out how to win games pretty much every week since the middle of the season. And you go back to his NAI roots, Kalen DeBoer has been elite at figuring out mm -hmm. how to win games. You, I mean – Top five play of the season is that fourth and one against Washington mm -hmm. State, right? Like there oh. is a there is a creativity, there is a vision, there is a depth there. Look, I love what Sark has done this year. I think I think the world of viewers is a player and a prospect. Yep. Um, I, I think that it'll be a little bit of a wild, goofy game, um, but I am going to take the Huskies to figure it out at the end. Okay, I agree with everything you guys have said except your winners. Hmm. Um, I'm taking Texas. I think that those two guys in the interior of the defensive front will disrupt Washington enough on offense to give the Longhorns an extra possession or two to make plays. I'm not going to go quite as high scoring as you guys did. That's smart. I'm going to say I'm going to say that Texas wins it 34-31. Uh, okay. So I've got two. Uh, Herb Street would be happy with that. I think we'd have two. Semifinal games. Yeah, but he's got the low scoring game. game. He yeah, he's like. got the low scoring game. That's right. He like he's that, tough. But, right. He'll be yeah. looking at the grass, talking yeah. about the grass, yeah. giving a few hosannas <laughs> about yeah. the, the blade of Bermuda or whatever. So, if your outcome is correct, who do you make the favorite? Texas. You. That'll be three straight games. Alabama's an underdog. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's some stuff we haven't seen yeah. in a long, long time. I mean, not I by, honestly not by a think lot. you can make it a pick them. Yeah, I really yeah. do. Yeah, they went there and won. I, I yeah. get it. Alabama. I think you have to start team. them as the favorite. I agree with Reese. Yeah, yeah. The Alabama deal with the betting world is is a different animal. That's why I'm still shocked they're an underdog in this game. Yeah, it, it almost makes you makes you think that Michigan's number one. They're undefeated, as you mentioned. Uh, we've all had great respect for them, regardless of where I had them ranked in the preseason, because I've moved them around. They yeah, haven't been sure number one wire to wire, but it almost makes you think that 
Vegas knows a little something and that maybe, maybe everybody got a little too enamored over that Georgia win. Alabama's good. Don't misunderstand. Mm -hmm. They're, they're good and they have improved steadily all the way. And Milrow is a ridiculous difference maker. Mm -hmm. So is Dallas Turner. And I think you're right. He is the best player in this game, but they haven't always been that. Mm-hmm. And well, look at and the Auburn game. Michigan, yeah, exactly. One, the, the one Auburn week game, Florida, the haunted you, you mansion. Game. Yeah, you mentioned earlier <laughs> that I I do because I grew up there and I went to school there. You can just, I mean, people say it because it it is it is the difference is that here's the difference. And my wife, who is an Auburn alum, is probably going to get mad at me when I say this. But I'm going to say it. For them, when they play Alabama, it's a crusade of religious significance (laughs) for Alabama it's avoiding the catastrophe of having to deal with hearing about having lost Uh and there is a difference in the way it's approached I mean look at the way Auburn played the week before against New Mexico State so I, I don't think it's fair to dismiss the game out of hand they made a lot of mistakes they had a chance to put the game away early they didn't so you don't dismiss it out of hand but it's it's sort of like in some ways, even though Washington had played a lot of close games, Washington State, at least for that Saturday, was on a crusade. They, yeah. you know, end of the Pac-12, their last chance against them as conference rivals, wanted to make their mark, ruin their season, whole thing. And, you know, you wind up with a three-point game. So some of those, I'm a little, especially late in the year, I'm a little more mm-hmm. forgiving of, of some of those under those circumstances. Don't disagree. Very fair. Can't wait till that game's in Auburn again and I can pick Alabama and you're just going to shake my head. Why are you doing that? <laughs> well, it would be a different deal. He'll, he'll be a little more established uh, with, uh, with the people. Well, Georgia's yeah. other big struggle this season was at Auburn. Yeah. And that was yeah. their – until the, the end, that you, was really their – And we're digressing a little, I know, but you know Georgia gave up 200 yards on the ground to Auburn and so did Alabama in mm. that place. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. that's not an everyday occurrence yeah. against either of them. And, no. and Auburn, that, that back to this game, that's one thing that Michigan may do slightly, but they're not going to, they're not going to be as uh, apt to have the linebackers in the wrong mm. caps sure. for Alabama yeah. and stuff. Yeah. You know, so those are the kinds of running games that have given Alabama more fits, I think, than, than this type. But, not the same type of defense. All right. For, so for our viewers and for our listeners, where should we eat steak in Houston? That's really the question from here, right? Mm. Yeah. What is it? I mean, they got to have some good meat in Houston. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Wait, what was the name of the place that you and I went? Uh, we went it was there really good. The, the final Really, four? really good. Yeah, really, really expensive because he owed me. So. Yeah, I, I owed him. <laughs> he made me make expensive. the reservation. I was like, so well, we're good. Not, you don't remember <laughs> yeah, the name. No, it was, it was excellent. What was it? I don't uh, I'm embarrassed. Yeah. I ate there twice. It was so good. It was I ate really there good. twice while yeah. I was there for the final four. We'll figure it out. So we'll do it. We'll, right. eat, we'll eat there at least once. Sounds we're good. There for the championship game. I, I hope that some of you are watching on YouTube. And I don't know how much of the background we've got here, but behind the camera position over there, to you know, as I wax a little bit about this this great venue, which was, um, you know, the first bowl game back when they were exhibitions designed to just draw tourists. This stadium has had the World Cup. They've had U2. They've had the Olympics. Yeah. You know what I mean? Five Super Bowls? I, 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 yeah, Super Wasn't, Bowls. Uh, I think Randy Michael Chastain Jackson played here. here. Randy Chastain uh, was here. There, you know, there was a, a poor throw from a quarterback with Stanford Steve, or else he would have big catch there. <laughs> uh, Desmond Howard played here after his Heisman Trophy winning season. 
Did he play here twice? I know mm-hmm. he played after the Heisman Trophy winning season. He played Washington twice. Didn't didn't go the way he wanted it to, I think. Um, mm. when, because Washington won the national championship or a share of it yeah. after that year in 1991. Yep. So, um, Plenty of history. That's seven. what makes it great. Awesome. Makes it great. It's a great yeah. place. Thank you. That. Whoever made this happen. Thank you, guys. This is awesome. Yeah. We really appreciate it, whoever did this. And so, I hope the table was sandwiched. Yeah. All right. We didn't even have to buy it for Steve. That's a. <laughs> you guys are going to have extra steak mm-hmm. because as we're recording this, and I assume we're still rolling, I've got to go do halftime. So don't let this. We'll give it to beautiful, Steve. Beautiful cut of meat go to waste. This is delicious. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Where we get this? Taylor. Taylor. Fleming's. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Guys, you can continue the chat.